Imagine being present, calm, and connected while creating a family environment where everyone can thrive. Welcome to the I Am Mom Parenting Podcast, providing inspiration and actionable steps to manifest the meaningful and magical life you desire for you and your family. We are your hosts, Dimple Aurora, founder of Mindful Evolution and Shaista Fateli, founder of Thrive Kids. Thank you for sharing the I Am Mom journey with us. Let's get started. Welcome back. Today's episode is one that you can put into practice immediately after listening today. We're speaking about the power of your words. We often take our words for granted, but the words that come out of our mouths at any given time can affect our reality, our identity, our mental, emotional, and physical health right down to our cellular level. I love this topic. I know it's been covered a lot by a lot of people, and you may have heard it before and over and over again, but it is so important to touch upon this topic because our words also have an effect on our child or our children, right down to their inner voice, who they become, how they behave, and how they respond to the world. So in this episode today, we're going to give you some examples of how to reframe common phrases. And we're going to provide you with the science that backs this all up. Now, remember, the intention of our podcast is to help you feel calmer and more in control of your family environment. So your words are an amazing means to that. If you're listening to this, you're probably already aware of the power of words in your own parenting, and you are perhaps even able to recognize how your belief systems have been shaped by the words you have heard growing up. And you're probably just looking for ways to dismantle some of these older parenting belief systems and employ new ones. And that's what we're going to give you here today. We're going to be able to give you some really clear, effective communication techniques techniques that will help preserve and build your child's self-esteem. And why is this important? It is important right now because for your child at any given age, their lives are being run by their subconscious mind. And Even for us as parents, our entire adult lives are being run by what's been programmed into our subconscious mind. But this programming happens in the first seven years of life. So if you have a young child, you have an excellent opportunity to influence and impact their subconscious mind that will in turn impact them for the rest of their life. Mm -hmm. And it's never too late to start this, right? And I find for myself, it requires a lot of conscious decision making and conscious choice to really look at some positive word choices that are going to be more strength based, right? And really help our children feel a sense of worth. 
to communicate to them in a way that is going to know that they're capable, able, and loved, right? Because ultimately what happens is the words that they hear from us as parents, they're going to shape, it's going to shape the way that they perceive how you perceive them, which is then going to shape how they feel about themselves and how they respond to the world around them. So if we're able to change, I mean, that's such a, you know, when I say that, I feel like, oh my goodness, that's so powerful, right? Like the amount of power that that has. And if we're able to choose words that are going to help implement a positive self-concept for our children, and to create an atmosphere and an environment for them in the future that is going to be successful, then why wouldn't we, right? And there's some really great techniques that we can use. Definitely. And what we'll do right now is just give you some examples of common phrases that we use and how to reframe them. Because at any age, we're in a, uh, we're given the opportunity to reframe our subconscious mind, to rewire what's been programmed. Now, we often say phrases that sometimes can have a harmful effect on our children. And even phrases like these little troublemakers, like how you refer to your children, right? So my crazy kids, these kids drive me nuts. These little troublemakers, these children are the death of me. Our words that we're using to describe our children can really impact how they respond to us and the environment we're creating around them. Mm-hmm. And this is, you know, this is actually the self-fulfilling prophecy, right? So this is the phenomenon of children living either up to or down to adults' perception of them, right? Children are going to behave in ways that we expect them to behave. One really good example of this is when there's a child who may be anxious or shy around other people. And often, um, I, I'm, I do this myself, often you will hear, my, ch- my child is very shy. So she or he is not going to is not going to say hello. Well, what happens is that every single instance in which the child does see someone, they aren't going to say hello or hi because they take that on, right? They take on that identity of being shy and they're expecting, they're behaving the way that we are expecting them to behave because they've heard it so many times. Mm -hmm. And you have some great uh, examples of words that we can rephrase. So let's go through those. Yeah. So I have actually three different uh, words slash phrases that you can use in replacement of common words, right? So the first word that is going to create um, a positive word, the positive word choice in order to maneuver challenges is the word tricky instead of hard. When you say something is hard, I you will automatically feel this rigidity, right? And this impossible uh, task ahead. But if you use the word tricky, you're implying that something may be difficult, but you're able to maneuver around this trickiness. Mm-hmm. For example, 
wow, trying your shoes is really hard means that you automatically get this blockage that you're not going to be able to do it. But instead saying, wow, trying your shoes is really tricky. Would you like to take a break? Would you like to try again? Really helps your child to see that, yeah, you know what? It is difficult, but I'm able to challenge this and maneuver my way through it with a plan. It helps them to rise to the challenge, which is what we want in order to build their resistance. I mean, resilience. Yeah, resilience. And it's a supportive, it's a supportive uh, system that we want to create for our children, right? Now, the next one is a really great one. We often, when we want our kids to, um, let's say, go out, we'll ask them, can you put your shoes on now? But when you do that, you're actually, what's happening is you're giving them a choice. So instead of saying, please put your shoes on, can you put your shoes on? Or would you like to put your shoes on? Try saying, you may put your shoes on now in a very friendly tone, which implies that you're giving them the opportunity to put their shoes on because you're going somewhere, right? So they're going to automatically, well, they're going to be more likely to do it rather than giving them the choice. So can you put your shoes on will most likely lead to uh, either a yes or a no. You may put your shoes on, will lead them in the direction of putting their shoes on. That is such a great example. And also, I, I also want to give the example of whenever they feel that something is challenging, being careful of making them mindful of their word choices. So in teaching them that instead of saying, I can't do this, that I can't do this yet, or I haven't learned to do this yet. And also the idea of, I can do this. I just haven't learned it yet so that they're open to the possibility of learning something new and we keep them up for the challenges. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is such a powerful word in the English language yet, right? And what happens in our brains is that these little roadways I like to call neural pathways, they're called neural pathways in science language, um, get built over time, right? And when our kids feel as though they can't do something, using that language or that word yet implies that they just haven't had the practice to do it. They haven't had the repetition to do it. And when they do, they will be able to achieve whatever it is that they want to achieve. Now, the last word that I absolutely love that creates um, th this feeling of sure of, of wanting to do something is this word called sure. Okay, so let me let me explain this. So when you use this word sure, you're focusing on what can happen rather than what cannot happen. Children have something called counter will. And what that means is when you are asking them to do something, they feel like they're they feel as though they want to do the opposite, right? So when they hear the word no, or they hear the word don't, or they hear the word stop, they're going to do the opposite. So in order to reduce using those words, you can adopt 
this quote unquote sure attitude. Sure, you can do that when you blank, 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 right? So I can see that you really want to jump on that sofa and sure you can jump, but we're just not going to jump on the sofa. We're going to jump outside. Yeah. And it's, I love saying the word sure, especially with my own daughter. I love saying it because it gets her excited and it makes her feel like, wow, mama lets me do a lot of things. So if she asks me, mama, can I have some ice cream? I'm like, sure, have some ice cream, right? Or yes, sure, you can have some ice cream, but not right now, maybe after dinner. Yeah, exactly. So you're putting some of you're putting those boundaries in place. We're not saying to say sure all the time to everything, but having uh, the word sure in your own vocabulary and using it when you feel is going to be the most helpful will become part of your and your child's supportive and strength based language patterns. Mm -hmm. And Also speaking to them in the affirmative language is so helpful as well, because children are used to hearing the word no a lot, and it actually disempowers them. There is a difference between setting boundaries with using affirmative language and setting boundaries by saying the word no. And if we do use the word no, we want to be able to give some context around it so that they understand why we're saying no. And a lot of times parents will say no, no, no. And and it does disempower the child. Mm -hmm. And it also, I feel just um, a lot of the times when... I hear the word no, it shuts me down, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm not able to push out of it. And I know for me, that is related to how many times I've heard no as a child, right? And it's impacted the belief system that I have. Mm -hmm. So using specific language, it's not that we don't want to use the word no ever, right? But it's just putting, as you said, the context behind that. So they're understanding why you are saying no. And you're giving them that knowledge so that they are able to make the correct choice for their own safety in the future. So not only is the language we use affecting our child's behavior and how they respond to us, it's actually also affecting their physical health. So I'm going to go into a little bit of science here. A child's brain development is altered when they are exposed to any verbal violence. And that is a proven fact. And there is a scientist by the name of Dr. Masaru Amoto. I always show this experiment to kids that I'm working with. He discovered that water molecules transform either into distorted crystals or beautiful crystals in response to the energy of positive and negative words placed next to them. This experiment has done with has been done with plants as well. When you speak to plants, they respond to positive language. And it's so interesting to note because negative words can affect our bodies at a cellular level. And this water experiment is so profound because a majority of our bodies 
are made up of water. So reading negative words can also impact us at a cellular level. It can even trigger our brain's pain centers. That's Mm -hmm. remarkable. There's a doctor by the name of Thomas Weiss. He was a psychology professor. What he did was he scanned some brains of the people that were in his uh, study. And what he did was he measured their brain, certain areas of their brains. He looked at it to see what area was activated when they read pain related words. So when they were reading words that were were related to pain, the pain centers of their brain were activated. Okay, it's it's amazing to see that our brain changes according to the language we're using, our cells respond to the language we're using. So it is it's and, you know, words are also a form of sound therapy. I mean, even since Pythagoras time, right, science has correlated music with health benefits. So sound therapy has been around for so long. It's in so many cultures And studies have shown that participants who participate in sound therapy, such as sound meditation, they report less tension, anger, fatigue, and depression. So when we use our words as parents, we can impact our children no matter what age, whether they're tweens or teens, to have less tension, anger, fatigue, and depression. Yeah, that you know, that really reminds me of a recent uh, study that I was looking at at babies. Okay, and this study I was looking at because of the technological advances in our society. And this study focused on the brain activity of babies that are hearing words through a computer. So even through a computer, just like people are listening in their headphones to our voices in our podcast app, babies can pick up on not only the language that is used, but the tone of voice. And so when the tone of voice is positive, nurturing, caring, and warm, the brain activity of the baby, remember, even as it's through the computer, will go up. But if the voice is very monotone, like I'm doing right now, or has no feeling, or is very harsh, the brain activity will slow down. Yeah, it it is a form of sound therapy because even in the womb, a child is impacted by the voices around them and by music and by their mother's voice and probably tone of voice as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I find tone of voice is really, really huge. And um, they may not be able to recognize the intention behind the tone of voice, but they will be able to recognize that there's something different in the tone of voice, which proves to the fact that they're able to hear it, discern it and respond accordingly. Mm-hmm. And I want to go a little bit into our language and how it's affecting us as parents, because it's also important for us to be mindful of the words we're choosing for ourselves. So one of the examples is our 
bodies and the way we refer to our bodies. So if we are not using body language that is confident and uh, strong, then our child can pick up on that and they can form concepts about themselves that are not positive when it comes to their when it comes to their the concept of their bodies. Mm-hmm. I, I love how you brought this up because these are also subconscious beliefs mm-hmm. running through through us, right? Mm-hmm. And we're not often aware of what we're even saying because it kind of goes on this this autopilot mode. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you're aware of it, then you're able to make the conscious decision to change those words. I mean, this is a big part of conscious parenting and mindful parenting. It's about choosing words that are supportive, becoming mindful of not only what we're saying out loud, but what we're saying to ourselves in our heads and how we're even describing ourselves. So the words we use to describe ourselves ultimately form who we are and how we show up and our identity. So the words that we use to describe our children are forming their identity. And it's very important to be mindful of, you know, what we're good at, what we're not good at, and our, of our own capabilities. So, for example, I'll often hear a mom say, when I was teaching math, right, and even tutoring math, I would often hear a mom say, oh, I, I, you know what, she takes after me, I suck at math. And that is putting a projection onto your child about the fact that they're not good at math because they're, they're able to just write it off and say, well, yeah, my mom's not good at math, so I'm not good at math. Mm-hmm. And that's where that, though, that specific language pattern and that vocabulary such as yet really comes into place, right? And when you, again, like when, even when I just say the word yet, I'm not good at math yet or I don't know how to solve this problem yet it just automatically changes the configuration in your brain somehow right like you just know that you are going to be able to do it you're just not able to do it yet but when you're able to put some plans into place it will happen you know what that brings up for me saying I can't afford that yet that, right? this, that's a huge one. You are right about that. I really resonate with that. Yeah, because the, the language we use around money is huge at forming the subconscious beliefs for our children. So a lot of money courses that we take by these money gurus, they always come back to what were your beliefs about what were your parents beliefs about money? And what did you grow up believing about money? So that is a very, very big one to be intentional with when our children are small so that they don't have to grow up with a lack mindset. Mm -hmm. It's almost like that saying with the glass, right? Is the glass half full or is it half empty? Mm -hmm. We have the power to choose either one. And when we're able to choose the ones that are going to be supportive, it's going to help create and grow the positive core beliefs for our children at any age. Mm -hmm. Oh, our language does so much. We can literally speak our life into existence using our words. I just want to end off this episode telling you a story that 
Shaista and I have both experienced, we've both chosen words of the year. So we have this practice every year, we choose a word of the year that's going to guide us in our business and in our life. And this year, it's amazing because both of us have, without even collaborating about this, we both chose the word collaboration. Mm. And so I love that because when you choose a word of the year, it gives you something to focus on. Yeah, it's the power, right? This is the power of words. I mean, look at us now. We're collaborating over um, Zoom, over a podcast, over different workshops. And we had that word chosen. And it kind of goes back to that episode of intention, right? And putting it into, for those that remember, that reticular activating system. And when you're able to do that, you are, as you said, focus on it, put energy into it and reach for it and make it happen. Exactly. Every year, my word of the year has propelled me forward in my life. Every Mm -hmm. year, I always come back to being more focused by choosing a word of the year and being more, yes, intentional with with what activities I'm doing throughout the year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's a great, it's a great practice to, to put into place to help put intention on the words that you are using in parenting. Yeah, it's, it's very powerful. I hope that you will take some of these phrases and think about the phrases you use all the time and try to reframe them if you can to more positive and affirmative language. And uh, we've given you some science. There's so much science behind this and you can really affect your life with, with the words that you're choosing every day. You can speak your life into existence. Thank you so much for joining us today and we'll talk to you on our next episode. Take care. Bye. Thank you for joining us on the I Am Mom Parenting Journey. If you enjoyed today's episode, please follow us and head on over to iTunes to leave us a review. We invite you to check out the show notes for this episode and click on the link to join our free Facebook community to stay connected and continue the conversation with other like-minded moms. Until next time, stay inspired, take action, and create magic.